Hey everybody, welcome back for another episode of the podcast from P-Town. Hope everybody's having a good week out there. Uh, it's been a week here, that's about all I gotta say, It's it's been a long week. But, still going along. Um, I think the weather has finally started to turn a little bit nicer here. It's uh, Hopefully it'll stay that way for a little bit. We've been getting a little bit of rain, so that's been kind of nice. Um, hopefully it'll help in some way to keep the fire season down this summer but as far as news i haven't really got a whole lot of news for this week uh i do uh probably watched more of the nba playoffs this year now that the lakers are out than i have in probably the last five to ten years so i think my wife read somewhere that lebron james has become the most hated basketball player right now so that makes me happy and I did see Charles Barkley, is, he's rooting against the, I think it was the Nets, saying that super teams don't belong in the NBA. And that's kind of a controversial thing. Um, you know, the Portland Trailblazers, or any a lot of teams out there, I guess, don't have the fan base to go out and pay uh, big contracts to a lot of different players, so they can't become a super team. And then the teams that do have that type of money, then a lot of times they end up walking away with the titles. And you can't get to be a super team without the fan base. And you can't get the fan base without being a super team. So it's kind of a catch-22, it almost seems like. But anyhow, that's about all there is on that. So this week, um, my son said that I should do an episode on true crime. And like I've said on here before, I never put this out to be a true crime podcast. Just because it seems like there's so many of them out there right now. It seems like almost... Every other podcast you see is some sort of true crime. But my son wanted to hear a true crime episode, so that's what I'm going to do. And this one, uh, I'm going to hit it off pretty heavy with this one. This guy that we're going to talk about is a human pile of trash. There's really no other way to put it about this guy. I remember when this uh, all took place, and I hated the guy then. I hate him now. I hope that he stubs his toe every day in prison. And wakes up with new shingles every morning. And that's about it. So let's uh, let's get into it. So on April 6th of 1963, Ward Weaver was born. And he was raised in Northern California by his mother. His dad dipped out on the family in 1967. So his mom figured that it would be a good idea to marry an abusive alcoholic and relocate the family to Portland. So this guy's own sister claimed that he physically and sexually abused at least one member of their family by the time he was 12. And his half-brother his half also said that he was physically abused by him. He said that Ward would um, always just hold him down and beat on him. So in 1981, a teenage relative came forward uh, saying that he had repeatedly sexually abused her. The Multnomah County authorities... Eh, I mean, if you've watched the riots in Portland, you'll know this doesn't make um, isn't any new news. But the Multnomah County authorities decided not to pursue any charges because he had enlisted in the military and would be leaving the area. Which, like I said, it's total crap if you ask me. But if they would have pressed charges, um, he would have been denied entry into the military and would have gone to jail where he could have possibly been reformed. But then on the flip side, I don't think there was any reforming this guy. But... He only made about, he only made it about a year in the military before he was kicked out for heavy drinking and dereliction of duty. So imagine that. But 
while he was enlisted in the Navy, and while he's in the Navy, he must have made it to the Philippines because he ended up meeting his wife, who was a Filipino gal, and her name was Maria Stout. And they end up getting married, and they moved back in with his parents. And shortly after they got married, they found out that Maria was pregnant. But this didn't stop him from being a jackass because about five months into her pregnancy, she was physically abused by him and had to be hospitalized for her injuries. But she refused to press charges. And um, you'll see there's a few different times in this where if people would have just come forward, uh, maybe some of this could have been stopped. But anyhow, the son was born, but it was later confirmed that it wasn't Ward's biological child. So uh, it sounds like Maria was getting a little badonkadonk on the side while he was off doing whatever he does. Oh, and his uh, dad that left also in uh, 1981, he was charged with killing a young couple and burying them in his backyard. So there are still a lot of unsolved murders that his dad is suspected in. And he was a long-haul truck driver, and there are quite a few unsolved murders and missing persons report on the route that he often traveled. So the apple, it doesn't fall far from the tree with this guy. But anyhow, Ward and Maria, they end up moving back to Bakersfield, California, and he got into trouble here. He uh, was charged or proven that he hit a 15-year-old girl in the head with a block of concrete for no apparent reason. And I was doing, I was reading the story on this and these people, it's like they knew him and they were giving him a ride somewhere and he asked him to stop the car. And then he got out and grabbed a chunk of concrete and just whacked this girl in the head just because, I guess, I don't know, but he was sentenced to three years in prison for the assault. And after he got out of prison, he and his wife moved back to Canby, Oregon, and they began running, running a store there. And they all, by this time, they also gave birth to their fourth child. But in 1993, Maria ended up filing for a restraining order against him, and they ended up getting divorced. By 1995, he had a new girlfriend to abuse, and he hit her in the head with a cast iron skillet. He ended up getting jailed for this, and again, she refused to press charges. And I think about this, he got caught on this one. It doesn't mention all the times that he had beat her previously. Um, and also, I thought that when there was a domestic assault like that and there were proven, in, proven injuries, well, I guess he did get, have to go to jail, but she refused to press any charges. But anyhow, they were split up for a few months, and then they ended up getting married a few months later after that. This marriage lasted about four years. And also, when they first got together, she was only 18, and he was 31 at the time. So, there's that. Then, surprise, surprise, in August of 1997, he began having an affair with a woman he met at work. They ended up moving in together and renting a house in Oregon City. And this is where his daughter, who was 12 at the time, she ended up uh, becoming friends with a couple of girls named Ashley Pond and Miranda Gaddis. Which, it amazes me that he had custody of his uh, of his child. She'd been in and out of foster care um, for quite a bit, but somehow they found that he was deemed uh, fit to have her. Which, how bad a position is the mother in if he was, had custody of the kid? But anyhow, like I said, this is where it gets hard. So in 2001, Ashley had accused Weaver of trying to rape her in his home, but nothing really came of that. It was just another uh, accusation and another time he was able to evade 
conviction, even though this time somebody had come forward. But on January 9th of 2002, Ashley uh, left her home and headed to the bus stop. She was running late that morning, and she took off in a rush, and she never made it to the bus stop. And so Ashley, she was a popular girl in school. She was a member of the dance and swim teams, and she was excited for dance that day. Uh, And her mom expected her to call her around 6.15 to pick her up from dance, but she never called. And this is when they found out that she was missing. And friends and family began uh, searching the apartment complex and everywhere around for her, but nothing turned up. The FBI was called in to help with the search, but still uh, they weren't able to come up with anything. And then fast forward to March 8th of that same year, a gal by the name of Michelle Duffy got up and left for work, and her daughter, Miranda Gaddis, got up and left for the bus stop around 8 a.m. And later that day, Miranda's older sister called Michelle at work, stating that she hadn't seen Miranda all day. So Michelle contacted the school, and Miranda had been absent all day. Miranda was also a popular girl in school, and she was a member of the same dance team as Ashley. And actually, they were the same... Ward's daughter was on that same dance team with him also and they'd had sleepovers and stuff at his house obviously when the time he tried to rape Ashley Pond but um, at this time I had in the notes that I need to find a new name for him like shit stain or dirt bag or something because calling him Ward makes him sound like a human being but anyhow this time the FBI was called in immediately because the case, it seemed too similar to the disappearance that happened a few months earlier. And they didn't immediately clue in on this guy, but they figured the at least the cases were connected, although they didn't really have um, a suspect yet. Um, the girls were the same age, and they had a lot of the same physical features, and they were both abducted in the same area and the, the same way and that type of thing. So they figured that they were probably uh, connected somehow, and there's an airplane flying over. But after a few months, Weaver had uh, jumped as a prime suspect for the FBI through all their checking and stuff. He was in, even interviewed by the news in one of the interviews he was standing on top of a concrete slab that he had just poured he had his son help him dig a hole and cover it with concrete and he told his son as well as the reporter on the news report that he was putting in a hot tub and that wasn't a crime he also said on good morning america that he didn't care that he was a prime suspect but what bothered him was the questions being asked of his family and there were people uh being told to not let their kids have sleepovers at his house with his daughter And so he was saying that his daughter was suffering so much because he was a prime suspect in this case. But then on August 13th of 2002, uh, Weaver's stepson, Francis, approached the police stating that Ward had tried to rape his girlfriend. And along with this, uh, Francis also said that Weaver may may have been involved in the disappearance of Ashley Pond and Miranda Gaddis. And so since he was already the prime suspect... Uh, the attempted sexual assault gave the police the opportunity to arrest him and hold him in jail. And they started questioning him and whatnot. And so they were able to file, based on what they'd found out there, they were able to file a search warrant for his property. And then on August 24th, they end up finding their uh, human remains in a box behind a shed on Weaver's property. And this turned out to be the, turned out to be the remains of Miranda Gaddis. And then they ended up, that concrete slab that they had, they ended up removing that, and they found remains of Ashley Pond in a 55-gallon barrel underneath of it. So this guy, he was finally arrested. 
And get this, he was charged with six counts of aggravated murder, two counts of abuse of a corpse in the second degree, one count of sexual abuse in the first degree, one count of attempted rape in the second degree, one count of attempted aggravated murder, one count of first degree attempted rape, one count of sexual abuse in the first degree, one count of sexual abuse in the second degree, and two counts of sexual abuse in the third degree. So, yeehaw. And he ended up pleading guilty to two of the counts and no contest to the rest. And But he was able to get a plea deal to avoid the death penalty. And he was given two life sentences with no possibility of parole. And he's housed currently in the Snake River Correctional Facility in Eastern Oregon. And on a happy note, while he was there in the Snake River Correctional Facility, he was walking to the barbershop in the prison, and another inmate attacked him with a makeshift knife, causing neck and shoulder injuries, and he was treated at the prison. I hope they cleaned the wounds with lots of alcohol and maybe scrubbed them with some steel wool or something. But in 2009, Miranda's younger sister went to see him in prison, and she said that she needed to talk to him just to get some closure on it. And he admitted to killing the girls with his bare hands. And he said that he was going to kill her next. She was the next uh, target of on his list or whatever. Uh, the guy's just sick. It's just disgusting. And also this, his son, Francis, who uh, turned him in in 2002. In 2014, uh, he was arrested for murdering a drug dealer in Canby, Oregon. So, um, it's kind of like it goes through this whole family with, uh, this type of stuff, which I don't know, you can look at nature versus nurture because actually, um, the son was his stepson, was no blood relation to him, but was obviously raised in the house and had his influence over him. And so that may be why he kind of turned out the way he did. But anyhow, that's the story of, um, I'm going to call it the story of, Ashley Pond and Miranda Gaddis because calling it the story of Ward Weaver is uh, kind of a disservice to those young girls that um, he brutally murdered. And that's it. That's all I've got for this one. I um, hope you guys enjoyed it. I hope uh, it didn't put you in too bad of a mood. And uh, if you're liking the podcast, go out there and give us a five-star review on Apple uh, Podcasts. Uh, go out and Follow the uh, podcast page on Podcast from P-Town on Facebook. You can follow me on P-Town Podcast on Instagram. Or you can send me an email at ptownpodcast74 at gmail.com. And we'll see you guys on the next one. Thanks a lot.